All right, kids, where are you guys at this morning? Raise up your hands. All right, so I, I don't know how many of you are going to raise your hands. You can put your hands back down. I don't know how many of you are going to raise your hands for this. Um, how many of you have ever been mad or upset with your mom or dad? Everybody? Now, how many of you, when you are upset with your mom or dad, have they ever come and like tried to like hug you and be sweet to you? Has that ever happened? Yeah? Has there ever been a time when they're, you're mad at them and they come to you to kind of hug you or be sweet to you and you push them away and say no? That's kind of rude, right? Is that, is that a nice thing to do or a not nice thing to do? Not nice. You guys are right. And as a parent, it hurts our feelings. The reason why I'm asking you these questions and the reason why we're talking about this is because one of the things that happens in our Bible passage today in Luke is that Jesus is talking to the people. Uh, he, he's talking about how often he wants to do that with his people. Uh, he wants to come to his people and kind of gather them and, and care for them and love them, but they push him away. They reject him uh, instead of receiving his love and his care and his affection. Just like sometimes we do that to other people, uh, Jesus is telling us that often we do that to God. And so, kids, I would encourage you to go home and, and ask your parents about kind of what they learned about from today's passage, about how God cares for us, about how he wants to lovingly protect us and care for us, and how often we respond to that with rejection, with, with rudeness, instead of receiving his love and his care. So kids, talk to your parents about that. Parents, talk to your kids about that today. Um, if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Uh, we're going to read verses 22 through 35. Again, that's Luke chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 22 through 35. If you don't have a Bible, there's going to be, the the verses will show up on the slides behind me. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. 
How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word that, that regardless of, of what's going on in our lives and regardless of what's going on in the world around us, that, that your truth always has application for us. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit today to help us together to understand what what you would want us to see in in Luke chapter 13 this morning, um, that we would benefit from this passage as we see uh, your Son in the flesh teaching about uh, entering the kingdom of of heaven, as we see him talking about how he, he, he would love to gather his people under his wings, but they reject him. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to to benefit from and be challenged by and encouraged by and, and, and built up by your words this morning to us in these verses. I pray that you would just continue to meet with us in our service this morning. So in your name we pray. Amen. So when we last left Luke, Jesus was, was journeying from Galilee toward Jerusalem. And Luke uh, today reminds us that that's what's happening in our passage. So Jesus is on his way from Galilee where he's been doing most of his ministry. He's going to Jerusalem um, and, and has said that he's going there to die. He's going there to be killed. And he says on the third day he's going to rise again. And so he's, he's doing that. That's what's happening. He's moving from town to town, from village to village. And he's, he's teaching and doing ministry along the way. Um, and that's where we pick up in this passage. And as he's doing that, as he's traveling from town to town and village to village, and he's teaching and he's doing ministry, uh, on this occasion, someone comes to him with a question in verse 23. They say, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Will those who are saved be few? And so they're putting this question to him, saying, like, essentially, how many people are going to be saved? And as they phrase this question, Uh, And as Jesus phrases his response towards them, it seems like they are putting a lot of the burden of salvation on God for salvation. They're essentially asking, how many people is is he going to save? But look at Jesus' response to them in verse 24. He doesn't answer the question, right? He doesn't say, yes, they will be few. No, they won't be few. He says, strive to enter the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. So he says that many aren't going to be able to enter. Um, and so he puts it back on them. He doesn't say, you know, you base your life on how many God says he's going to save or not save. And says, he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. You make sure that you have done what you need to do in order to be in that kingdom, in order to be saved. He puts the responsibility back on the people asking the question. Then he explains his response in verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock, on the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you. I do not know where you've come from. He goes on. They'll they'll say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in your streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. He's saying that they need to strive to enter the narrow door now because eventually that door is going to be shut. 
And so they need to make the most of the opportunity they have to find salvation now in the presence. And he's already told them in chapter 13 what it is that they need to do to find salvation. At the very beginning of chapter 13, he stressed the need for repentance, right? They find salvation by turning to Jesus in faith and repentance, by turning away from their sins and turning towards him in faith. That's what they need to do. That's what striving to enter through the narrow door means, But these people don't want to do that, which is why they say what they do in this response as they knock at this door. They say, right, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. They're claiming some sort of relationship with Jesus that isn't based on faith and repentance. So they're saying, we've done these things. Those things should get us in. But Jesus says, those things don't get you in. I do not know where you've come from, right? You're not coming through faith and repentance. They're not coming in the prescribed way. And so they are shut out of the kingdom, These people are going to be shut out of the kingdom because they don't come in faith and repentance. They try to come another way. And Jesus says in verse 28, after he tells them to leave, he says, In that place uh, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. These people that are cast out of the kingdom of God are going to be in distress. They're going to be sorrowful because they see people included and they see themselves excluded because they were willing to come to Jesus through faith and repentance. They wanted to get in another way and he tells them that you are going to be cast out because of how you're coming in. And then Jesus says something that's kind of surprising Uh, about the kingdom of God to these people he's speaking. He's speaking, right, primarily to Jews on his way toward Jerusalem. He's telling them that these people who thought that they were in the kingdom of God, that thought they were the people of God, they are going to be outside the kingdom. They're going to be looking in at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob thinking we should be in there, but they're not going to be in there. And Jesus says, people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. He's saying people are going to come from all over. It's not just going to be Jews that are included in the kingdom of God. The Gentiles are going to be brought in too from all over the world. There will be people that are there dining with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But those people that don't come by faith and repentance are going to be shut out of the kingdom. They're going to be outside looking in. He says, And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. This is one of the the great reversals of the gospel. The people that you would think are in are out, and and some of the people that you would think aren't going to be in are in, right? Tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes are included in the kingdom of God. Gentiles are included in the kingdom of God, but some of the most religious people on the planet are outside looking in. Um, But notice the word some in verse 30 doesn't say all who are last are going to be first and all who are first are going to be last. He says some. Some of the people that you would think are going to be included aren't going to be included. But some of them will be included. I think that often when we read the Gospels that we can have a tendency to see all of the Jews as the bad guys. Right? All of the Pharisees are the bad guys. All of the Sadducees are the bad guys. All of the Jewish religious leaders, the priests and the scribes, they're the bad guys because mostly what we see of them in the Gospels is they're coming to challenge Jesus. But there were a whole lot of them that received him. There were a whole lot of them that believed in him. A whole lot of them. Some who are last will be first. And some who are first will be last. Some tax collectors didn't put their faith in Jesus. Right? Some Gentiles didn't put their faith in Jesus. Right? We see the evidence of that in our world now. Not everybody believes in Jesus. 
There is this great reversal that happens in that the people that you would think would be included are excluded, but not everyone that you would think would be included is excluded. The point for us this morning, though, is to see that the way we get in the kingdom of God is not by being in one group and not in another group. The way we get in the kingdom of God is by putting our trust, our faith, our hope, and our our repenting from our sins and turning to Jesus. That's how we get in the kingdom. That's what striving to enter through the narrow door looks like. And the reason why it's a narrow door is because not many people will do that. Because repentance is is hard for us. Because we don't like admitting that we're wrong. We don't like admitting what we're doing is wrong. We don't like other people telling us what to do. We don't like having something outside of ourselves that determines what we should or shouldn't do or who we are or who we are not. But if we are a believer, that's what our life is like. Because we are not a law to ourselves. We don't get to determine our own destiny. God determines that for us. And he says, if we want to be in his kingdom, if we want to be at that table in his kingdom, we are there through faith and repentance. The next section, what we see happening is, is exactly what Luke has been talking, or what Jesus has been talking about in Luke, right? He's been talking about how some of these people uh, who are first will be last. Some who are last will be first. We see at that very hour, he says, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. Right? Normally we would think the Pharisees want Jesus killed. Why are they warning him about this? It's because these are obviously some Pharisees who care about Jesus. Some Pharisees that, have, that are following him. Some Pharisees that have received him. These are part of the group that are actually included, even though we would normally think these are the bad guys in the gospel. They warn him. They say, get away from here because Herod is going to kill you. Uh, Herod is Herod Antipas, who's the, kind of the governor of Galilee. This is the same guy that had John the Baptist beheaded. And now he wants to kill Jesus. And these guys are warning him. But look at Jesus' response in verse 32. He says, go and tell that fox... Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. Um, in the ancient biblical world, foxes were often used to describe people that were like deceitful. Um, so this is not Jesus saying that he thinks Herod is a particularly handsome guy. Uh, this is him saying that he's a, a cunning, a deceitful person. He's saying, go tell him, and then look what he says. I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. He says, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing ministry. This is where I'm at. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. So he says, I'm doing ministry. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. If, if he wants to come and find Jesus, he knows where to find him. He's not trying to hide what he's doing. He's not running away. He is simply continuing his course. He's doing the ministry that he set out to do and the way that he set out to do it in the place that he set out to do it. He's not afraid of Herod. He says that specifically he's on his way to Jerusalem because that's where he's going to die. Herod's not going to kill him on the way because prophets die in Jerusalem. And that's where Jesus is headed. Um, He's not going to perish outside of it. And then, as he's talking about Jerusalem, Jesus turns to lament. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus laments the fact that he's come to care for his people, and they have rejected him. 
He laments the fact that he has sent prophets and, and others to minister to people in that city, and they have rejected those people. They have killed those people. Jesus laments the way things are in Jerusalem. He tells the results of their rejection in verse 35. Your house is forsaken, and you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This quote here at the end is, is from Psalm 118. It was, it was chanted or sung over people as they entered Jerusalem to celebrate feasts. So here, Jesus is saying that they are gonna, these people who have rejected him are going to say this. And it's unclear whether this is a positive thing or a negative thing. Like it could be positive in that he's saying that, that eventually these people are going to recognize him for who he is and they're going to celebrate his arrival. They're going to celebrate his coming. They're going to worship him for it. They're going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord in a positive way. Uh, some scholars also think that it could be negative in the sense that they're going to realize who he is when it's too late, uh, after they, when, when they no longer have time to repent. They're going to recognize it when they're standing at that door and knocking and they're refused, when they see people enter the kingdom, but they themselves are shut out. Um, and so it's not clear whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, but the, the, the end of the story is that they will recognize him for who he is. Um, hopefully it won't be too late. I think that what we should see in this second chunk is just the, the reality that Jesus laments, right? He has loving care for his people despite their rejection of him. And that causes him to lament what they're doing. That causes him to lament the reality of the way things are in Jerusalem. That causes him to lament the reality that he's going there to die for his people. Uh, last week, we talked about our need to be people who lament, people who turn to God in prayer in the midst of our pain, uh, but it should be encouraging for us to see that God laments too. Right? It's not just something that we do. It's something that he does. And, and when we stop to think about it, it makes perfect sense. Right? Because we lament when we see brokenness in the world. We lament when we see that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. When, when, when bad things happen that cause us pain and suffering and sorrow, we lament those things. But we don't see most of the bad things that happen in the world. God sees all of the brokenness in the world. God understands all the brokenness in the world. God laments all of the brokenness in the world. Right? The reason why Jesus is here in this passage saying the things that he's saying is because he sent his son into the world to make it new, right? to overturn those things that are happening. He sent Jesus so that one day we would lament no longer. He sent Jesus so that one day he would lament no longer. Right? He's overturning all of those bad and broken things. He's fixing those things so that he can lovingly protect his children, so that he can gather them as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And because he's doing that, that's why some people are going to be shut out of the kingdom. Because as he protects his people, he has to exclude those who would do them harm. So he's going to remove sin from this world. He's going to remove the brokenness from the world. And that's going to include people who haven't turned towards him in faith and repentance. That's why some people are shut out of the kingdom. That's why they are in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because they recognize that they're on the outside looking in and they've passed the point where they can get in because the door has been shut. 
If you're here this morning and you're somebody who, who has not yet trusted in Jesus, you haven't turned towards him in faith and repentance, maybe you're like these people in this passage that are, that are pointing to other things, right? You, you taught in our streets. We ate and drank with you. You're, you're claiming some sort of a relationship with Jesus that isn't based on faith and repentance. I would encourage you to see that that is not a relationship with him that gets you in the kingdom of heaven. The only way we get in that narrow door is through faith and repentance. And so if you're here this morning and you haven't done that, you don't know what that looks like, I would encourage you to talk to somebody about that before you leave this morning. Um, If you're somebody who's here that has done that, you have trusted in him, right? You know you're confident that you're going to be at that table with Abraham and Isaac and people from all over the place worshiping him and celebrating him in the kingdom of heaven recognize that we have time now. That door is still open now so that we can be people that are sharing the good news of the gospel so that those who are shut outside the kingdom, those who don't enter the narrow door, are as few as possible. Right? We, in some ways, should have this same question. Right? Will those who are saved be few? John Piper at a, at a conference was asked the question, um, at like kind of a Q&A time, how, uh, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And he said that he would ask him, how many will be saved? And then the second question immediately after would be, why so few? And I feel like that's, that's the attitude that we should have. As we think about the kingdom of God, as we think about the fact that some people are going to be excluded, we should want that number to be as little as possible. And he tells us in his word that that even as we're living in the midst of this pain, in the midst of brokenness, and we want the end to come, the reason why it hasn't come yet is because he's given people time to repent. He's given people like us time to be out in our communities, to be out in our lives, sharing the good news of the gospel so that more people would go through that door with us. And so I would encourage you to see in this passage a call towards obedience, a call towards faithfulness, a call towards boldness and confidence in preaching the good news of the gospel so that we can drag as many people as possible with us through that door into the kingdom. Because we want to celebrate that day and to be able to to know and trust that we put all of our faith and all of our repentance in Jesus and that caused us to, to boil over onto others as we praise him for the good news of what he's done for us in preaching the gospel to those around us. So I pray that we would be a church that's faithful, that we would not relax knowing that we ourselves are in, but that we would be motivated and obedient towards trying to preach the gospel and communicate the truth of the good news to as many people as possible so that those who are saved may be as big of a number as it possibly can be. I'm going to pray, and then Sean is going to come, and he's going to lead us in the Lord's Supper this morning as we uh, celebrate the reality that Christ has died for us. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm thankful that that you make it clear to us in your word what we must do to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And we pray that you would help us to continue to be people of, of faith and repentance. Jesus, I pray that we would not be content with, with keeping your good news, your gospel to ourselves, but that your spirit within us would, would compel us to be people who are obediently and boldly proclaiming the good news to those around us. That we would desire to, to break through that narrow door, dragging as many as possible into your kingdom alongside us. Not so that we can be great, not so that we can make names for ourselves, but so that, that people might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven so that you would be praised. We pray that you would cause us to be encouraged by the reality that you lament the brokenness in this world, that you lament when people reject you. And that we would lament those things as well. We pray that as we continue in our service this morning that you would cause your spirit to help us to worship you rightly that celebrating the lord's supper that singing songs of praise that that talking to people afterwards that it wouldn't just be routine or something that we always do but that we would do these things with an intentionality because you've given them to us to remind us of who you are and what you've done for us Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that it's because of you that we have a seat at that table. It's in your name we pray. Amen.